The Spin-Off Podcast Network. You're listening to Business is Boring, a podcast that reckons it's anything but. Business is Boring is brought to you by SparkLab, offering inspiration and practical advice to help businesses find their edge. To hear more about SparkLab, including details about the latest events, workshops, and business tools, visit sparklab.co.nz. And now, here's your host, Simon Pound. Tēnā koutou katoa and welcome to Business is Boring. Special is an advertising agency that's lived up to its name. Since starting, they've gone from a three-person shop to a four-country affair with offices in Auckland and Wellington, Sydney and Melbourne, LA and now a just-announced London outpost. Special has been named Agency of the Year in its weight class year after year. In an industry that loves awards, they've won way more than their share, including being named Global Creative Agency of the Year by Industry Bible Campaign Magazine in London. Their campaigns for Tourism New Zealand have seen people up and down the country say good morning to the world, and their work for Uber Eats has seen some of the world's biggest stars getting food delivered in to places like the Australian Open Centre Court. To talk the journey, building a powerhouse, growing in an industry that's seen a fair few struggles, and what's next, co-founder and CEO Tony Bradbourne joins us now. Tanakwe, thank you for being here. Hey, thanks for um, inviting us. Hey, so let's go right back to the <laughs> beginning. Um, and I think I saw you in your very first yes, office in, yep. in Kingsland uh, 14-odd years yes. ago. What led you to start Special? Well, it's interesting, driving here to the um, studio this morning, I drove past where the original Special was, um, an old movie theatre um, in Kingsland. That, um, and we started with just one desk and, um, and three chairs and zero clients are never the smartest way to start, um, a business, but it does, it does start it with a lot of our focus as <laughs> a polite way to say it. Um, why did we start special? It was, I think it's the story of any startup is you get to a point and you kind of think across multiple levels. I, I think I can do this better. I think I can see a different way. We were driven to, um, to do ideas that we didn't think would easily see the light of day in traditional uh, advertising agencies we found ourselves in New Zealand. Um, most of us had had spent much time overseas. I met Heath in Amsterdam. I myself worked in, in London for seven and a half years and Amsterdam for two and a half years. And so when we got back to New Zealand, uh, we had all of this international experience and all these, all these ideas of different ways of doing things. Um, we all spent a couple of years doing our own thing. I was... Um, I was creative director of an independent agency called Generator. Heath had his own um, killer uh, furniture store in Britomart. But we got back together and we thought, hey, we think there's an opportunity in this market to create something new and create something hopefully better. And you always think it's going to be better, right? So um, so that's that, that was it. It was a culmination of a lot of different aspects and timing and ambition and desire and, and craziness. What was different about the New Zealand advertising scene after working at kind of the top level in those international places? Like, I imagine the budgets are a lot smaller and the expectations are probably not a lot smaller. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, I mean Heath worked for, um, he had his own design company in, in Amsterdam. He was working um, Adidas and 
and Nike through 180 and, and, and Widen and Kennedy and just doing some killer work there. Um, I was um, senior art director on Volvo for all of the European countries, so about 12 different territories and, and flying to Sweden for new car launches and, and things like this. So um, we brought all that back down to New Zealand. And I think the great thing about New Zealand is there's a lot of ambition from clients down here or they understand that they have to do something quite ambitious because their budgets, as you mentioned, don't quite match that. Um, in larger um, markets, traditionally, people have been able to buy their way to cut through, buy their way to um, brand association. Um, but in New Zealand, we don't generally have those massive, massive budgets. You're right. So, so there was a bit more ambition here, yeah. How did you go about growing the business from the three of you, and what what was the kind of what did you think when you started out? You wanted to be uh, what kind of size did you think you wanted to be? Look, I I always wanted to be the best agency in the world from the get go, and it's a bit funny sitting in a, in a large um, empty room that was extremely hot in summer, and extremely cold in winter, and sort of saying, "Yeah, yeah, I think we can build the best agency in the world from here." Um, so that that was the want. How we did it was just work your butt off from day one, day and night, make sure that every single piece of work you did, we had a rule, every single piece of work we did had to be so as good as we could make it that it would get a, a headline or it would get attention or it would get written about in the trade press because that was our ability to be able to um, get on the radar of new clients, new opportunities, um, new interesting um, problems to try and solve with creativity. So that, that, that was the way that you, that was... Um, the glorious plan to um, success was just absolutely work your butt off and do the best work of your life. <laughs> it sounds like a pretty good <laughs> recipe. Uh, were there any big turning points? Like, when did you know that it was um, it was on the way? Because, like, I guess at one level, you know, you're always able to shut up shop and go and work somewhere else. But at the other level, if you started an agency and you put your your own um, name on the shingle and, you know, had a party and invited your friends over, there's a bit riding on it too, hey? Yeah, and th- and there's still that feeling now. I don't think it I don't think it ever goes away. You know, it's a um you you lose sleep. Um you think about things constantly. It is always with you. But I think that's just the creative um and business mind is you're always inspired by the challenges that that you get to work with um, with clients. So, but for us, turning points. There's been there's been hundreds. You know, um, our very first campaign um, for Orcon uh, with Iggy Pop it, it won a Cannes Grand Prix, and all of a sudden we were being written about in Vanity Fair, and we were being congratulated in the New Zealand Parliament. and And this was us with only nine people, probably the smallest agency ever in the world to win a, a Cannes Grand Prix, which for the uneducated in the advertising industry, which is full of awards the best comparison is it's 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 the academy awards it's the um it's the best picture um and so when you when you do something like that in a category that's got over 3000 entries from around the world and this entry from New Zealand wins all of a sudden that's a turning point um um Michael Redwood coming on board in the early days to give us that much more of that um account service rigor that was a turning point um the ability to finally um galvanize um, us and make the jump to opening an office in in Sydney, um, something that a New Zealand agency had never done before. That was a turning point because that was our first step towards being a global company to evolving from just being um, a New Zealand company to now being a truly global company. And we've now got six offices around the world. We've got truly um, brilliant, brilliant partners in multiple locations. And um, 
And so, yeah, we're a, we're a constantly changing company. Were there any moments where you didn't think it was going to work? Because I imagine coming mm. out of the gates with such a big win as that Orcon campaign that, you know, everyone will probably remember as being the one where you got people all around the place to collaborate on the song with uh, with, with Iggy Pop over the internet, which was a pretty radical idea, yeah. you know, kind of 14 years ago. The internet's going to be good enough to do a song. Looking back at the case study now, yeah. it's like watching Zoom. It's like <laughs> anyone who saw that idea now, you go, what? What's interesting? This is just what I've been doing for two years, you know, looking at lots of people on Zoom screens. But back then... Yeah, heck, we should have we should have painted it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and even the idea that, you know, internet would be good enough to yeah. allow you to do something yeah. like this was radical. Yeah. Yeah, and, and but coming out of the gate with something um, that strong must have put you in pretty good stead. But, you know, ha- gr- growing and, and heading along, you know, were there any times where you did think it was going too fast, you'd have to pull back or it wasn't going to work? Um, likewise, and equally... Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times you are struck with setback or drama or not good news. And that's just that's just part of being um, a business. That's just part of being a startup. And you kind of grow with it and you get used to it. And I think it's that, that ability to stay calm in moments of success and in moments of failure, to keep focused on what you're doing, keep believing in the talents you've got and where you're going and what you want to do and don't let yourself be buffered around by what other people think or what other people want you to do. If you can do that, I think probably most startups would probably say the same thing. If you can if you can um, not get carried away with any success but not get too floored by any failure, you will, you will stay your course. What are some of the campaigns that, you know, you've been happy with, uh, the, the most happy with over the years? Well, it's really interesting because I take every piece of work really, really personally, and um, it's a, you know, you want this work to be exceptional. So obviously the Iggy one there because that set us on this path. Recently, in the last couple of years, we've done some pieces of work that I'm very, very proud of. We did a campaign for Tourism New Zealand called Good Morning World where we had a different Kiwi um, greet the world, get the world up on the right side of the foot because right side of the bed because we see we see the sun first in New Zealand. So that gives us an opportunity, you know, a little bit of time to put on the coffee and say, good morning world. And we did that every single day for an entire year. And it's it's been now recognised as one of the most effective campaigns in the world. Tourism New Zealand themselves call it their most effective work they've ever done. And that's quite staggering because they've been around for 30 years and have done, in my mind, some of the most pivotal and, and most strongly branded tourism work in the entire world. So that was that was one that made me feel real proud. Why? Because because it's for the country and you always, you always want to do your best work for the country that you love and live in. How do they measure that? As it's probably quite a hard time to be doing tourism New Zealand work when no one can come here. Well, the campaign, remember, was mm. it was about, geez, it's almost four years old right, now, right, right. so... Um, so we're lucky to have it in the market well, well ahead of the first waves of COVID, yeah. These ones and how, and how you recognise the effectiveness, they are incredibly rigorous. You have to write a white paper that is, you know, that is you know, 4,000 words long and you have to justify it with a huge amount of metric um, and then it's judged by some of the most rigorous judges um, globally. And so Good Morning World was one of, it was, it was named as one of the 12 most effective campaigns last year, right up there with Nike's Dream Crazy um, and to win a, um, 
an FE, um, a grand FE, global FE. First time New Zealand's ever won it, so so that's pretty cool. Um, other campaigns I'm really proud of, we did a campaign for, in the election called um, Medal uh, in the New Zealand um, election, um, fronted by a Russian, uh, of course, because they are the world's best at, at meddling and things. Probably an inappropriate campaign to run right now. Um, <laughs> but back in the day, it was it was tongue-in-cheek and it was edgy and it was the way we thought we could get Kiwis overseas who could vote but weren't voting and historically have been, you know, not voting election after election after election. So, um, you know, we put our, our creative thinking behind that um, and we worked with incredible um, uh Founder of Every Kiwi Votes, um, Tracy, and and we came up with this idea that um, that maybe we could get a, a Russian to encourage Kiwis overseas to meddle in their own election. They did; it was hugely successful. It it grew overseas voting by forty two percent. So, I love ideas like that where we can use our creativity to create behaviour change in in really really effective ways. We'll be back shortly with Tony Bradbourne to hear how they open those offices overseas, what makes special special, and what's next. Spark is proud to partner with the Sustainable Business Network and the Climate Action Toolbox. The free Climate Action Toolbox can provide you with simple step-by-step guides to measure and reduce your emissions. Help lead the way to a low-carbon future for New Zealand. Visit sparklab.co.nz forward slash sustainability to find out more. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited, and of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. We're back with Tony Bradbourne, co-founder and CEO of Special. So how have things changed in the 14 years since you began? How's the industry shifted in this period of so much change? Yeah, it's, it's really interesting, isn't it? Um, I guess the obvious answer is the move towards more digital channels. Um, a really um, interesting thing is you could say that um, the advertising and, and brands fell out of love with TV and were distracted by other interesting channels. And I think you can see now swing back to actually falling back in love with TV and the ability to better... Um, to better <clears throat> create great brand awareness and cut through using that um, channel, which is particularly good for entertainment, um, particularly good for some audiences, not all audiences, you know. So I think that's the big thing that's changed over the 14 years is just the proliferation of different channels and different ways that we can uh, target people in much more intricate and unusual and, you know, fun ways. Yeah, and being able to, I guess, 
uh, fill out a whole story in a way where perhaps if you could only hit people with one idea across a few things, you can now layer it up and um, yeah. and follow up the TV with a whole lot of digital and a yes. whole lot of other elements. Yeah, um, lots of our lots of our most successful work has been what you would call like multi layered campaigns. It's not just a piece of TV. It's a piece of um, there's outdoor, there's activation, there's digital personalization, there is gamification at, at the heart of it. Um, there's all of these different aspects that create what we call these really big, full, total campaigns, and they are proving in our in our experience in our track record to be highly, highly effective. And at the same time, like you say, there's been that move back to those really big in a world where there's so much fractured media and so much fractured uh, messaging, those big things that everyone comes together on, like the success, the ongoing success of things like uh, The Block or Dancing with the Stars or the Super Bowl. And how is it to uh, have been making, uh, you know, campaigns that see you doing spots for the Super Bowl? Yeah, so it's amazing. These appointment viewing, uh, not appointment being, these mass viewing moments where everyone seems to down tools and, and watch these big shared moments. Um, they're, they're great. And, and there's nothing bigger than the Super Bowl where, you know, America just stops for this three or four hours and watches it and loves watching the advertising that's in the middle of it. And most of the advertising is created just for the, that one single appearance. And that's that's pretty crazy and that's pretty um, fun as well. And, yeah, we launched um, LA almost almost two years ago now and the team over there have, have created the second Super Bowl spot now where we had um, Gwyneth Paltrow eating her own uh, vagina-scented um, candle, which is a great moment in, in TV history. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so it, it's, it's just amazing, isn't it, to see where, um, you know, a little idea from New Zealand has, is ending up in the world. And so an office in LA doing Super Bowl commercials is brilliant. Tell me how you do go about that process of opening up international offices. Because you said it was one of the big turning points was getting it going in Australia mm. in the first place. So how do you, you know... Um, you, you, you recruit really great kind of existing, well-known talent in market where mm. they've got a big reputation. But then how do you get that special uh, house flavour uh, established when, when when they're in another market and there's another kind of context? That's a, that's a really big question and um, I wish there was a perfect playbook for it and I could probably talk about it for a day. Um, it's just... Again, so breaking things down there is how did we start an office in Australia? The first thing is you is that everyone said no. Everyone said don't do it. It's never been done before from New Zealand. Um, so what you do is is the same way as we've ever done anything is you just start by trying. And, and we must have taken 100 flights to Sydney, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, finding talent, finding um, clients, finding um, people that we know or New Zealand brands that, are, that want to export to the next major big market for most of them, which is Australia. And in that process, you find people and you understand things. It's just market research. But with, with Australia, we did it with, with just feet on the ground and spending time in that in, in a country that I, that I really, really love. I think it's an incredible scene over there, um, Sydney and, and Melbourne, that they're, they're so competitive. There's so much good talent there. So the, to answer the second part of your question, finding that talent was really, really key. We spoke to a lot of people. Um, but you, I think you know when you find people that are, Real like-minded um, individuals. They they share the same desire to do ambitious work that you do. They share the same want to better create an amazing culture and be strongly value-led as a company. And so we met Lindsay and Cade, um, who um, 
or two of of the partners that have really now taken special to global heights. So that was that. But again, you know, Sydney was replicated Auckland. We started in a small art gallery this time um, and there was um, hardly any chairs again. Um, you can see we never invest that much in furniture. Um, and then we, um, again, we just, we just you know, heads down and, and, and worked our butts off, yeah. And the further international forays, so you opened up two in, yep. two, two in Australia and then um, with, with Sydney and Melbourne and then into L.A., and now London. So, mm. yeah, what's the what's the idea behind? Because that sounds really hard. <laughs> <laughs> You've now got kind of every time zone you could hope for, and um, yeah, like like how how much of that involves you having to be um, involved with things, and as kind of the um, you know creative mm. force behind the business, and I, I guess that's a lot mm. of the kind of house flavour. Um, how does that work for you? Yeah, so um, so we've we set up each individual office to be independent, to not be micromanaged from afar. Um, we need to have strong, independent people that are running it as their own business because it is their own business. So that was that thing there. Why? You asked a number of great questions. Is is, is like um, how difficult is it to do? It's it is really difficult because no one's done it before. I hope that this inspires other New Zealand companies, other New Zealand companies from the creative industries to do the same thing. I really think that we have got incredible brains and, and innovation and skills down here in New Zealand. And I do think one of our big challenges is to actually get that to a wider audience. New Zealand is only 5 million people. Australia is 25 million people. So when we looked at that from a business point of view, and many of our New Zealand clients, as I said before, were wanting to go to Australia, is it would it make sense for us to open an offering in a much bigger market? And it does. And then you go to LA, and that is a huge market. Um, and then going to London, I think, rounds out a global network. So we'll have six offices across uh, three major territories, but we're already doing work across 12 different territories globally. So what that means for clients is if you're a New Zealand client, like a wine producer um, or something like that, your major markets are more likely to, are probably likely to be Australia. Um, North America and Europe. And now we've got a presence in all of those ones. And our goal is to have the best-in-class agency in every single one of it. We're Agency of the Year in New Zealand. We're Agency of the Year in Australia. We've been named Newcomer of the Year after just six months in LA. And that's the goal. So for New Zealand brands, it means they've got a trusted, world-class marketing design comms partner who can take that, faithfully take that New Zealand origin story around the world. For other clients, and our goal is to get those more, connect with those more larger, multi-region, international clients, that we've got a network that's perfectly nimble, um, perfectly placed across the world, and is obviously doing world-class work. So so for clients in New Zealand, there's an opportunity. For clients globally, they can tap into this really ambitious, innovative thinking. Um, and so hopefully we believe it's going to be um, a really successful, continue to be a successful model. What's the kind of, what, what makes special special? <laughs> and, the, you know, the time that you've been doing this, mm. kind of the wider context would be a lot of the big internationally networked yes. um, agency net networks have been retrenching. And a lot of the kind of um, uh, traditional big retainer-based relationships have been coming up for review. And some of these big brands have been going, oh, we don't need a global agency We've got a centralised digital buying team. And, you know, the big forces in all of the industry would be saying that it's a very difficult time to be doing something. Um, so, yeah, what, what's making special special? How are you able to be doing this in the, in the face of these t- trends? I think it's the, you know, the, the work and the results we get. 
um, and and we do very ambitious, non-traditional work that is just dripping with audacity. Really, you look at it and and you are moved by it, or you, it grabs your attention, or you love it, or you sing along to it. Um, that's driven by um, a, a real incredible culture, and I think being an independent um, agency, not being owned by some you know foreign company with headquarters and. Paris or London, being an independent agency, being able to make our choices really does help culture to flourish. So we've got um, incredible values that all officers run to, incredible culture across um, all officers. And we managed to attract and then work with really, really interesting people that I think are all bound together and drawn together by the same want to really leave a dent and really do extraordinary work in the world. We've got a saying which is, you know, life is short, make it special. And we we are not here to do average. So this ambition runs through every single special office. Um, how do we keep the brand consistent? That's a really interesting thing now. We have got global playbooks in terms of um, how every single piece of special, um, our, from our presentations to all the rest of it, needs to look and feel. Um, we have got a global team that meets several times a week just to make sure that all offices are in tune um, and, and working in step. We've got, um, we've got a global head of brand now um, because we are in our own right, you know, um, a multi-region brand. And that's, that's really exciting is actually taking all the learnings, all the things you, you talk to our clients about and actually do it faithfully for yourself um, and that's again. It's just a another thing that happens in the in the evolution of the story of special is there's these more challenges and more um, interesting places you find yourself. And had you, when you started out, um, had you wanted to build to be, uh, you, you know, because succeeding, you know, you'd come back from overseas yeah. to New Zealand, and succeeding in New Zealand's a pretty hard thing to do. Did you think you'd be building to a stage where you'd be uh, sitting in a room not far from your first office in Kingsland and talking about Gwyneth Paltrow <laughs> eating her own vagina-flavoured candle from a campaign that had come from your um, agency? You know, like like impacting these really big, you know, a lot of those Uber yeah, Eats campaigns yeah. have got the biggest names and yeah. um, and, and entertainment involved in them. It's a, look, to tell you the truth, I don't, don't want to seem arrogant, but from the very start, we had the ambition to, as I said, create the greatest agency in the world. Um we were really lucky that, you know, last year, um, Campaign UK magazine, which is like the Wall Street Journal of, of advertising, it's the industry bible, named us um, Global Creative Agency of the Year, beating just these stellar agencies in in New York and London and, and Singapore and that. And then they named us um, Global Independent Agency of the Year as well. So so we've we've achieved that that kind of crazy pipe dream of 14 years ago to build the best agency in, in the world from New Zealand. And that was one of the... That was one of the things we spoke about a lot at the start is is we love New Zealand. We want to work in New Zealand, but uh, we want to live in New Zealand but work in the world. We didn't just want to be restricted to um, to the briefs and business challenges that this geography offered. We wanted to, um, to work on the biggest, most challenging briefs um, in the world. We found that opening other offices was our way to connect with these bigger brands because many of the biggest brands in the world do not have much of a presence in New Zealand or they're not headquartered or run from New Zealand. So we we found we had to actually, we had to try and go further afield to connect with that. But yeah, an- another goal was always to do the best work in the world from from the bottom of the world. And I do think what we have found over the years is that being born on the edge of the world um, does give you a very unique perspective on the world. You know, if you're in the middle of Hollywood, 
the way that you make a film was the way that Hollywood makes films. If you're Peter Jackson um, standing in New Zealand, he looks at how to make a film and he sees a different way. So I, I do love that perspective of being on the edge of the world that, that New Zealand um, offers us. What are the cultural differences? Because it's like, it's very obvious that, you know, in um, New Zealand, if you do a campaign with our biggest names, um, you know, there's yeah. only so much scale to it. But then if you go into LA and you do a campaign with the biggest names in entertainment, obviously the scale and the budgets and the market size is bigger. But like, are there any kind of... Um, differences in thinking or ambition or, um, you know, how comfortable, like, you know, everything's got to be self-deprecating in New Zealand. Mm. How how do you have to change up kind of how special approaches things for the cultural differences of each of these markets? Yeah, look, look, I wish I could take all the credit for um, all of the amazing Uber Eats work um, that's happening around the world, um, but I... But I can't. But there is there is differences that especially the LA team work to. I guess traditionally, when you talk about um, a production budget, you would say that seventy percent would be spent on media, thirty percent would be spent on production of the assets that you play on media. With the Uber Eats work, they have really flipped and broken that model, where they the amount you spend on celebrities will often far outweigh what you spend on media because the world's different now. Because success comes from if that piece of content you make gets shared a hundred million times um, amongst um, amongst people, and that, and that's what happened with you know the first Super Bowl commercial that the guys in in Australia and and, and LA did that brought back together um, the characters from, from Wayne's World, um, and the very first piece of work we did in um, America for Uber Eats where we brought together you know um, Captain Luke Picard and Luke Skywalker. Uh, the actors, you know, uh, Sir Patrick Stewart and Mark Hamill, together, um, it got shared, you know, 115 million times in the first 24 hours. And that's and that's success in the modern world because of how we can use these different channels, these different social media channels. In terms of these other um, offices around the world, What's the what's the plan? So you're gonna you're gonna stay at six countries, or um, you know you've mentioned independent a few times. Um, but does special one day be acquired by one of these big agencies, or does it become one of these big agencies? What, what's your kind of hope there? Well, it's interesting. We always pushed against the multinationals, but now we found ourselves being a multinational. <laughs> <laughs> but uniquely, we're a multinational that's been founded um, from New Zealand, and that was another one of our of, of our ambitions. Really, was to. Why can't we create something something global from New Zealand that goes up around the world as opposed to the majority of the New Zealand advertising scene and most other advertising scenes? are It's all headquartered in, in New York, London, and Paris. And so the very last office that opened was is one in little old New Zealand. We wanted to swim against the tide and try and turn the marketing head on, on doing that. So... In terms of in terms of the independent question, look, we get approached um, every single month, and we've been um, repetitively saying we're very happy with the way that we're going now for fourteen years, and 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 that's the truth of the matter is that we are very focused on what the type of company we want to build and the areas we want to go to. Six different offices is is a lot, so I think the next year is really about growing um, those incredible offices you know, learning new ways to actually play together and, and share the resources around um, the different um, offices and different locations and, and and really just enjoying that and just continuing to really focus on doing an incredible body of work for our clients, yeah. What advice would you have for someone who does think that they can 
Yeah, swim against the tide because the tide really hasn't been uh, for the kind of things that you're doing. And the tide certainly, although very talented New Zealanders have gone and made their mark mm. overseas um, or, or as part of multinational networks, building one from here is a, is a pretty unique thing to do. Yes, yeah, it's, it's not really advice. It's just more of a, um, it's just up your ambition. I really think people need to need to, um, you know, have a good double shot of ambition every single morning because I think it's the only way that you believe that you can do something as crazy as, as you know, build the world's best agencies from, from New Zealand. It doesn't make any sense unless, of course, you are, you are intoxicated by, by ambition and this real want to try and change the world and leave a dent and believe that you can offer something unique and different. So the only advice I'd give to people is just absolutely back yourself, um, be prepared to put in all of the hours because creating anything great doesn't come doesn't come easy. Um, stay focused on what you want to do and why you enjoy doing it. Really enjoying what you do every single day is so, so important as well, no matter what discipline you you practice in. So um, but the other but the main thing is just is just don't let anyone say you can't do it. And as a final thought, what will success be for you personally and for special as a business? That's your most tricky question. For the whole Look, it's a, um, I, I just love what special's been able to do and, and, and where we've come from and where we are now and, and the amazing people that we get to work with every day and the amazing um, partners we've got um, around the world. Um, and it's, it's an absolute joy now. Um, I didn't ever really think it would still be doing this after after 14 years. I don't think I guess necessarily knew if there was any air point. I don't really think there is any end point. We, we, we love what we're doing. Um, we love the clients we get to work with, the challenges we get to work on. And so I think success is just really enjoying it every day, creating an environment that that um, that we manage to attract these amazing um, talent to work with us and really good people and for them not wanting to leave. Um, and I think, yeah, it's a... Look, every day is a joy. You open up your your laptop um, every morning, and there's you know there's a hundred emails in from around the world, different opportunities and different award wins and different accolades and and feedback on things. And so, um, yeah, I th- I just think every day is is a success now. Ah, uh, that's awesome. It's a lovely way to look at it, and it's uh, been great chatting to you. Thank you for sharing the story of special so far. That's Tony Bradbourne, co-founder and CEO. Tanakwe. Thank you. Thank you to Tony Bradbourne, to you for listening, and for everyone who helps make this show happen. Do follow Business is Boring wherever you get your podcasts, and be sure to rate and leave a review if you like what we do. In hora. From the Spin-Off Podcast Network, that was Business is Boring, brought to you by SparkLab. Make sure you're following Business is Boring wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information on SparkLab, visit sparklab.co.nz. Kia ora e te iwi, te aihe Butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spin-Off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.